Have you ever in your life seen a team that's won back-to-back Pac-12 championships that is being so disrespected? And seriously, I have them 10th in college football, and I am amongst the most bullish in the media on Utah. And I'm trying to figure out, like, why are, why are people so down? Hello, welcome in. It's always college football. Going to be quick here because we got a big show, a jam-packed show full of energy, full of action, full of over-under win totals. And we had the anticipation of getting to like 10 teams or so. I don't know if we're going to get that many, but we're going to go as rapid fire and as quick as we can through rosters, through storylines, and just bang it out, baby. We are close. We are just a month away from college football inevitably getting going. Do you realize that? We are, today is July 24th. First game is what, August 26th? We are this close, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to get going on it. So Mark Kubiak's here. Jack Foster's here. Jake Garcia's here. I'm Greg McElroy. We appreciate you being with us. And I will tell you this. I, I just, I'm honestly, I just want to say I'm humbled, to be honest with you. I, I really don't know how else to describe it. But the amount of people at Media Days last week, the amount of people that have gone out of their way to leave posts about what we're doing here on the podcast, y'all, it does not get taken for granted. I I really want you to understand it means so much to us. We love this show. This is a passion project for us. We do it because we love it. I mean, it is, I'm busy as can be. Coops, we're all busy as can be, but man, we love college football. And we want to be in the ecosystem with college football podcasts. And we don't have a marketing budget. We don't have a huge budget to begin with. (laughs) We don't have a marketing budget. Y'all are our marketing budget. And for you guys to go out of your way the last couple of weeks to leave ratings, to leave reviews, we read them all and we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Like Y-H-T-S-E or S-I, Yahtzee, this is what I'm going to call you. I don't know. Cole from Austin, uh, Jack Saturday, Allergy Man, like... Tom B33, uh, Cut Glass Bob, like all these incredible reviews. Uh, G Money, which is not me, even though some of my friends have called me that. I'm not ever really known why, but so be it. Uh, B Kanan 7. Like we see y'all's reviews and it means a lot to us. And we see the ratings. They've now gone up significantly. If y'all can continue to do that for us and also subscribe to the podcast. We're just trying to grow, and you guys are the way we're going to do that. Word of mouth is huge, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. We're also going to play some Tell the Truth Monday, so please tell the truth, all right? In your reviews, tell the truth, if you will. Uh, that'd be beneficial also. So let's not waste any time. we got a ton of time, ton of things to get to. Let's dive into some over-under win totals. We're going to do this every single week up until when we kick things off at the end of August. Now, I don't know what teams we're going to do in the future. We're not going to do every single team in college football. I hope you understand that we're probably just not going to have time to spend X amount of minutes on a podcast that we try to keep tight. (laughs) As much as I'd love to do an over-under win total on East Carolina for 10 minutes, I would do it. I'd go game by game. I just don't know if that's going to be in the cards, but we're going to try our very best to pick out some that feel a little bit off. Now, there are some that are more glaring than others. There are others that are a little bit more eh, in line. For instance, when you see one at seven for Auburn, it's like, mm, it's probably about right. You know, Do we need really need to debate it one way or the other? So I also want to preface this by telling you 
If the over-under total feels too good to be true, it probably is. Now, remember, this is from a gambling aspect, and we're not going to necessarily give you a ton. Oh, this is a lock. There were times last year in particular when we loved a certain team's over-under total, but there are other times where we feel as though, hey, proceed with caution, so just be smart here. Don't don't take the bait. Don't take the Vegas bait because there are a lot of big buildings out there and there are a lot of wealthy people out there. Let's not help them become more wealthy. Sound good? Let's give it our best shot. Let's start in the Big 12. Newcomer to the Big 12, BYU. This one jumped out to me. Four and a half. Now, some of you might look at win totals at other places were, were a little bit different from the ones that we're using. We're using VegasInsider.com. So not that they're the, the end-all be-all, but they kind of take a consensus and they do a pretty good job. So that's the ones that we're going to be going with. If you see BYU at five or five and a half, just know that we're operating off of VegasInsider.com. So if you have an issue with their line, take it up with them. We, however, are going to look at BYU in assessing where they're at. Now, big transition year. For Kalani Sataki, naturally, you go from independent, where you played a really strong schedule, to a Big 12 schedule. And I don't feel like the transition for BYU is going to be as drastic as what might be for Cincinnati, for UCF, and for Houston. Now, I've already said there are questions that I have about BYU's roster, but the transition won't be as difficult for them. Kalani Sataki, after all, was a part of the Utah staff under Kyle Whittingham that transitioned from the Mountain West into the Pac-12 back in 2011. So he's experienced this before, and I don't think there's a whole lot of coaches that have. Another guy, by the way, Jay Hill, his new defensive coordinator, was also on that staff. So both guys understand what this transition is supposed to look like. And let's also keep in mind, BYU has had five consecutive winning seasons. They've had winning seasons in 16 of the past 17 years. So a very proud program that is now transitioning into a new era. I am cautiously optimistic about that transition. The big question that I have is on the defensive side. You think about what they had last year. So many people coming back from 21. Everyone's saying this group is going to grow by leaps and bounds because of the experience. Sure, until October. <laughs> and then the wheels came off. If that You look at just that October alone last year. I mean... It was not pretty uh, at all. And you had to make a mid-season change, which is less than stellar. But you think about Jay Hill coming over from Weber State, a guy that has done a really good job at the FCS level. And schematically, they went from being very conservative to now I think they're going to be an attacking style. And I think that is going to lead to more success. But they have to figure out the things that they're doing in the front seven defensively. They were 98th in college football last year in yards per yards per game given up on the ground, 173 yards per game. And they allowed a staggering number on third down, meaning they're getting to third and manageable. They gave up 46% nearly, which was 121st in college football. So that group has to be significantly better. Let's go through the schedule. Sam Houston State, that's a winner. South Utah should be a winner. At Arkansas, very intriguing game for BYU. I don't think they get that one. If that one was played on the moon, I still don't think they get it. They had them last year in Provo, and it didn't go their way. So I think that's a loss. Kansas at Kansas. We're all looking at Kansas a little differently this year. We're all looking a little differently. The opener in the Big 12 for BYU. They go to Lawrence. It'll be a difficult game. 
Will they be able to match up physically? Yes. Will they be able to match up athletically? That's where I might have some legitimate concerns. It's a winnable game, but one that I don't think they will get. So you have two losses right now. Cincinnati, difficult game. I actually like BYU in their home setting in this game. Petition, you know, the end of September. It's not cold yet or anything. And Cincinnati's not going to be bothered by the cold anyways. But I do think that's one that they can definitely get. At TCU will be a very difficult game. Not sure they get it. Texas Tech at home, going to be tough. I love Texas Tech this year, as you guys know. So now we're looking at five losses already, and we're only two-thirds of the way through the season. At Texas, at West Virginia, don't love their matchups in either of those two games, even though the West Virginia game is potentially gettable. Iowa State at their place, that's one you have to have. You have to have that one. So the ones wins that we have right now, I got a win against Cincinnati, South Utah, Sam Houston, Iowa State, that's at four. Now you have Oklahoma at home, and you have Oklahoma State on the road. The swing game is Oklahoma, and I don't love that matchup. I love Oklahoma this year. I think they bounce back drastically. I've taken the under for BYU, which is concerning because I really like that program. I want them to take strides. I think Keaton Slovis is good. I think they have answers at wide receiver. But man, it's hard to find five wins guaranteed on that schedule. So be careful when you see that, even though they've been proud for 17 straight years, 16 to 17 winning seasons. I think they come up a little bit short here in 2023. Let's move to the top of the Big 12. The Texas Longhorns, they come in at nine and a half. Everybody and their brothers hot on the Longhorns this year, right? So hot. Think about where they were last year, how close they were in so many games. Lost five games last year, all by one score. And you think about a couple of those games, they had some leads that they just couldn't hang on to. Think about the Texas Tech game. Uh, you think about the Oklahoma State game. They had significant leads in both games. Just could not hold on. And you think two now leads to five losses. For Steve Sarkees in the last two years, where they've had a 14-point lead and could not hang on. Think about to his first year. It was like a trend every week. Man, big lead in the first half, second half, the wheels came off. They did a better job of finishing, but still a point of emphasis. You think about this, though. Think about what they were. Top 20 both offensively and defensively, think about the teams that they were alongside in both statistical categories. If you're top 20 in offense and top 20 in defense, here's the other teams that were in that line. Alabama, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, and Penn State. All of which were somewhere around the top 10 or so at the end of last year. Meanwhile, Texas is eight and five. I think a big boost is coming for the Longhorns this year. I am very optimistic about it. As you know, we've talked about it here. I think they're a top 10 football team coming into the season. A lot of it has to do with progress made offensively, progress made in the front seven defensively, but given the strides made from 21 to 22, I think they're going to continue to ramp it up. I'm taking the over nine and a half. Let's go through the schedule. Rice. I think that's a win. <laughs> Be careful looking ahead to Bama, but I think they'll take care of the house there in Austin, Texas. They go on the road to Alabama. It's going to be a typical game. I think Bama gets this one. At Bama, Texas will be very well equipped. But I think last year, they had a few things up their sleeve. This will be a difficult matchup for them on the road. I think Bama gets this one. But either way, it's going to be a close game. One of the best games in the early slate of the college football season. You get Wyoming at home. Isaiah Nair, the transfer from Wyoming. He's now at wide receiver at Texas. He gets revenge on his old team, even though there's no love. I mean, there's... They love him, I'm sure. He was great for them when he was there. And he hasn't 
suited up for the Longhorns yet. So either way, I still think they get that one. At Baylor, very difficult game. I think Baylor bounces back. This is going to be the first test within the Big 12 where we'll be able to assess, all right, you played well against Alabama, perhaps. Maybe the front seven held up nicely. But now you're going to do so against a very physical run game with the Baylor Bears. I think that's one they can get. Kansas at home. I think they get them. They got them last year. Oklahoma, game will be a lot closer than it was last year, but I still like where Texas's roster is at this point relative to the Sooners. So now we're looking at a situation, Texas 5-1, and one, only loss on the road at Alabama going to the second half of the season. At Houston, I think Houston's going to be one of the worst teams in the Big 12 this year. They get that win. BYU at home. I think they get that win. Just went through it a second ago. Kansas State at home. They took care of Kansas State last year. I think they'll do so again here in... 2023 at TCU at Iowa state for those that have watched the show. I'm expecting a slight regression from TCU. Of course, that was a really knockdown drag out fight last year. TCU played beautifully defensively and Texas did not get a whole lot going offensively. I think they find a way to penetrate that offense. They penetrate that defense, if you will. And they put some points on the board this year, Iowa state at home. I think they get or on the road. I think they get that one, and they get Texas Tech at home. Revenge is a dish best served cold. I think Texas has had that one circle because they let one off the hook last year with the Bijan Robinson fumble late in the year. Texas, I'm taking the over. I really think this team is a 10-win football team. That's the floor. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I might very well be. Texas let us down in the past. They might very well do so again in the future, but I will take that risk alongside you, my friends here at Always College Football. Let's go to the Big Ten. The Wisconsin Badgers, all right? Interesting scenario here. Very interesting scenario here. We know that Luke Fickle spent 15 years at Ohio State. We know that he brings a vast array of knowledge as it relates to the Big Ten, how it's going to work out, how it's all, you know, how to attack certain teams. It's changed a bit. Sure, he's been gone since 2016, but he knows the league, all right? He knows the league. And you think too about what Wisconsin has been in the past. Wisconsin is a remarkably proud organization, especially as it relates to offensive line and running backs. Why? 25 offensive linemen drafted into the pros in the last 25 years. They also have had 11 running backs drafted. They've had several rushing champs, and they have a Heisman Trophy to show for it. Could have, if not had some other situations, I guess, in the last decade, 15 years or so. Could have had a couple other guys maybe win the Heisman. just didn't work out for them. But the real question is, can they adapt offensively? Phil Longo comes down. But we all look at Phil Longo and Drake May and North Carolina as, oh man, they're going to throw it around the yard. They're going to get it done. All this other stuff. Air raid, if you will. Yes, they were in the top 15 in each of his four years at Chapel Hill. But when you really actually think about it, you think about his four years at North Carolina, they actually led the entire ACC in rushing. I mean, just under 200 yards a game over the course of his four years. It's pretty dang impressive. Now, he's still got talent there, and you bring in Tanner Mordecai, who's very accomplished with what he did at SMU. You also have four wide receivers that transferred in. Top three from 2022 are all back, so you got seven guys that are legitimate difference makers, and you still got a one-two punch at running back, and you know Wisconsin's still going to be proud on the defensive side. Let's go through it. Buffalo, win. At Washington State, very difficult game. Be careful here. Be careful here. Wisconsin, by the way, in case I didn't say, eight and a half. Very difficult game. At the Palouse, okay? Toss up. Let's just put it right now, just for argument's sake. Let's put it in the loss column. Just for now, hang in there. We know they lost that game last year. I think it'll be tougher to win back-to-back, but I kind of like Wisconsin there, but let's put it in the loss column for a moment. Georgia Southern, be careful. Still get it. All right, so now you're 2-1. and one. 
at Purdue. I think Purdue comes back a little bit. Like Hudson Card, love Graham Harrell, love Air Raid, but I really believe, given the fact that Wisconsin's going to see Air Raid every single day in practice, that they're going to understand how to defend what is a pass-first attack. It'll be tough. I think Purdue's defense will be proud. That should be one that I think Wisconsin gets. Rutgers at home should be a win. Iowa at home, very intriguing game here. I like Wisconsin's offense a little bit more. So therefore, I'm going to say that jump around gets it done. Another win. On the road at Illinois, very tough game, very tough game. But I wonder about Illinois' ability to replace Chase Brown. Will they be as good running the football? Will the offensive line be as good? Defensively, you know they're going to be strong. Even though they lost their defense coordinator to become the head coach at Purdue, they're still going to be strong. But at Illinois, let's say it's a toss-up. I still think they get it done. Ohio State at home, that's a loss. All right, so now how many for sure losses? Let's just give them a toss-up between Washington State and at Illinois. Let's say they lose one of those two. Now we're at two losses, all right? At Indiana, that should be a win. Northwestern at home, that should be a win. Nebraska at home, that should be a win. At Minnesota, let's give them a loss. Still, you're at nine. So therefore, I like the over when it comes to Wisconsin. We talked about it already. I'm high on the Badgers this year. Maybe too high. I'll roll the dice with Phil Longo and Luke Fickle any day of the week. Let's go to Michigan State. They're at four and a half. Now, you would ask me at the end of 2021, hey man, 2023, fast forward a year from now, Michigan State's going to have four and a half win total. What are you betting? Over by a mile, right? <laughs> Given just how they play. I mean, 2021, you had a nine win improvement. You had a Peach Bowl victory. You had a top 10 final ranking. You had all the momentum in the world going for you there in East Lansing. Problem is, in 2022, two of the biggest strengths, pass defense, which is Mel Tucker's bread and butter, at least it was, secondary coach in the NFL and at Bama and at Colorado and all this other stuff, guy that knows the secondary really well. Well, they regressed significantly and they couldn't run the football. Not a great place to start when you take that into account. Now, last year we were all wondering, you know, are they about to join the likes of Ohio State? Are they about to join the likes of Michigan? Are they about to get to the point where they're on the same page as Penn State? We were wondering these things out loud. Should we have been? I don't know, because now I feel like people are starting to lump them in with the group of Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers. Now, somewhere in the middle is, is the truth, and I hope the truth shall set you free, and I hope for Michigan State Spartan fans, the truth is a whole heck of a lot better than what we saw last year. Now, they did get a big boost with what they have along the offensive line. They have a lot of experience back. They went out and they got one of the top JUCO players in the country that's probably going to step right into a starting spot in Keyshawn Blackstock. You also have some incoming freshmen that have a lot of talent that were highly regarded coming out. So, And then you have a couple of guys that have transferred in from starting experience. So I, I do think that there are, there are ways to address some of the issues that the team had last year but I don't know if it's going to happen overnight. Remember, this is a team that rushed for only 113 yards a game last year. That was 111th in college football. And given what Kenneth Walker and co did the year before, it's a pretty stark drop off from where they're at. So four and a half, all I got to do, all I got to do is find you five here. Let's see if we can find you five. Central Michigan, I'll give it to you. That's a winner. Richmond, I'll give it to you. That's a winner. Washington, this is going to be, a, we're going to find out quickly. Have they improved their pass defense? Because my guess is if they haven't, that is going to get ugly and it could get ugly quickly. I'm going to give that one to the Huskies. Let's go to Maryland. Maryland, also a team that can air it out, has some talent on the perimeter, has some really dynamic weapons, not just at running back, but at wide receiver. I think Maryland gets that one because right now I still don't know if Michigan State's pass defense is going to be improved enough. At Iowa, very difficult game on the road. 
Very difficult game. But will they take advantage of where thing? You know you're not going to be able to run the ball in Iowa. You can just forget about that. Can your quarterback be able to find enough holes and create enough big plays? And what might be, let's be real, is this game going to be 17-13? What's the total looking like in Michigan State, Iowa? I'm thinking that number is going to be down in the low 30s. Eh, probably mid-30s. It's college football after all. And it's still early in the season. But either way, it's been a tough game. Let's give them a loss there. If that game's in East Lansing, maybe we feel differently about it. But I don't know. I really don't know. Can you win at Rutgers? Yes, I think you can. Now you're at three. Only a couple more now. Only a couple more. Let's find it. Michigan at home. I don't feel great about it. Even though Sparty has traditionally played great against good Michigan teams. I think they'll get all. Michigan will get all of what Michigan State has. They will give it to them. No doubt about it. I have a tough time thinking. I love Michigan this year. You guys know that. Super bullish on them. I think it's going to be tough for me to imagine them getting a win right there. You get Minnesota on the road. Tough game. Not going to happen. I don't see it. At least not at this point. I don't see it. Michigan or Minnesota, excuse me, very proud. Ethan Calic-Manis, I think he's going to be better this year. I think they have pretty underrated wide receivers. And I also think, too, that front seven defensively, even though they lost some key players, is going to be difficult to penetrate in the run game. Let's go next to at Michigan, or at Ohio State, at Indiana, and Nebraska. That's a three, not in any order. Actually, it's Nebraska at home. That one you have to have. Absolutely have to have it. That gets you the four. All right, at Ohio State, at Indiana. I think you're going to get Indiana. I do. I think you can get Indiana on the road. It will be tough. I don't know. I think you lose to Penn State final game of the year. It's in a neutral site situation. And I just like what Penn State has from an athletic standpoint. So right now, the swing game is Indiana. Do I think you can get it done on the road? It'd be tough. If I had to take it right now, I'd take the over. Especially you hear what you hear what, what uh, Mel Tucker said about his transfer class. So I think it's the best transfer class he's ever assembled. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Florida Gators in at five and a half. Now, if he wins four or three, Billy Napier is going to be in a remarkably difficult spot heading into 24. I don't think he's in, in job security is necessarily up in the air because look at the recruiting class they have coming in. And they have momentum on the recruiting trail. They do. It's just the, the pieces and the roster that he inherited, man, was a, it was in dire straits. I'm just being honest. And I look, I love Billy, but I love every coach. There's no coach out there I don't love, uh, at least this time of year. <laughs> right? So let's think about last year for Florida. First time in program history, they lost to all four primary rivals. 
Florida State, Georgia, Tennessee, and LSU. First time ever, you lost all four, okay? And to make things worse, you gave up 42 and a half points a game in the process. So I'm not saying that you need to feel great about this year's team, but you got to imagine they're going to be better in some spots. Now, the offensive line, big question mark. That's my biggest concern for the Gators because that was the position of strength last year. Really good last year. You lose Osiris Torrance, who was phenomenal. You lost four other starters. And granted, they had some ups and downs in pass protection. They were a road grading unit, but you have to now lean on some transfers and hope, hope those transfers can adequately replace some of the guys that departed the program, both by way of transfer and by way of the NFL draft. Trio of power five transfers that might step right in, might be okay there. And you know you have a dynamic one-two punch at running back. Nobody talks about them, by the way. Nobody talks about Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Nobody talks about them. People need to. Now, part of whether or not we're bullish on them will be dependent on the guys that are blocking up front. But the scheme and Billy Napier's commitment to running the football leads me to believe that those two are still going to be among the better treat, better duos, if you will, in the entire SEC. And no one's talking about them. But just keep in mind, Montreal, not going to necessarily be the home run hitting guy, but man, he's going to get you five yards a pop. He's going to put his head down. He's going to churn out and he's going to get some yards. Etienne, now he's the guy that can take it the distance. He's your home run hitter. He's your CJ Spiller, if you will. Get him the ball and see what he does with it. He is a really talented back. And when you think about too, I mean, he was the, the highest Yards per carry average among all freshman backs with 100 plus carries last year. All right. I think he can be a star. Now, what you lose is Anthony Richardson being able to take a broken play and take it the distance. Graham Merce doesn't have that ceiling, doesn't have that upside, doesn't have that big play potential, but that's okay because Graham Mertz is a talented guy. He just fell into what was, I think, a bit of a rut at Wisconsin. Now he gets a second chance and hopefully he can take advantage of the ceiling that's always been there. Now, defensively, this has been a group that has had their fair share of struggles. You think about some of the declines that they made from 21 to 22. You thought the pass rush would be better. They were not. You thought the pass defense would be better. They were not. This is a group that was in the top 100 in pass defense. Not ideal. And this is Florida now. All right? We're not talking about a team that can't recruit DBs. They got guys. But Austin Armstrong's coming over. He was at Southern Miss, and he went to Bama for about a day. And then he transferred to Gainesville. There's a guy that's going to attack a lot of simulated pressures, going to make it look like they're overloading you and they're not. They're actually dropping guys out and they're going to bait you into throwing into coverage. So he's going to confuse the opposing quarterback. And I love that style of attack because that to me as a quarterback, when I was playing, when you had simulated pressures, my head would explode. So for all of you out there, if you guys are thinking about getting into the coaching world, if you guys want to go and, and become defensive coordinators, which by the way, would be way more fun than calling offense. Calling defense would be really fun put in a lot of simulated pressures. You want to freak the quarterback out? You want to freak the offensive line out? Cool. Simulated pressures. Run them to death. That's what Kirby does. That's what Dan Lanning does. That's what Austin Armstrong does. That's what a lot of guys do. I'd live in it if I were going to be going into coaching at some point in the very near future. But let's go through the schedule because I think this is where people start to fall out of love with Florida. They still have dudes. They still have talent. People don't realize that. Maybe it's not as good as 08. Maybe it's not as good as 06. This is still a group that puts on a Gator uniform. And they are not void 
of guys that can play at a really high level. But the schedule is daunting at Utah. Top 10 team in my world coming into the season. That's a loss to me. I know you got them last year, but if not for Anthony Richardson's heroics and the mishaps that Utah had along the way, that game should not have gone in Florida's favor. It just shouldn't. McNeese, that's a win. All right. Remember, right here, we're at five and a half. I got to find you six. McNeese, that's a win. Tennessee heading to the swamp in week three. Difficult game for Florida. Very difficult game. I don't, I don't think Florida can get it, but don't be surprised if that game's a little closer than the experts might think. All right. Just saying, might be a little closer. Tennessee at that point will have been tested. They played Virginia, but they will not have been tested as much as Florida will have been tested at that point, having gone to Utah. All right. Charlotte, that's a win. I got you too. At Kentucky, I don't like the matchup this year. I really don't. I don't like the matchup. I think Kentucky's going to be really good. Great weapons on the outside. Defense will be really solid against the pass. And you know they'll be stout against the run. They always are. So I think Kentucky this year is a loss. Vanderbilt, I got you winning that one. That's in the swamp. They got you last year. I'm expecting a better Vanderbilt team, but I'm also expecting Florida not to overlook that Vanderbilt team the way they did potentially last year. You're at South Carolina. You got them last year. I think it's a tough one. I like South Carolina this year. Really like South Carolina. And when we talk about past events, South Carolina's got some weapons. They also have a quarterback. So be careful with South Carolina. I'm not sure you get that one. You got Georgia and Jacksonville. We know that's not happening. Here's the games you absolutely have to have. Arkansas at home, you have to have it. Have to have it. Just for argument's sake, let's say you get it. All right, I got you at four. At LSU, we know that's going to be really tricky. We know that's going to be really, really tricky. LSU is a good team. Maybe LSU is licking their wounds a little bit. Maybe they just lost to Bama. Who knows? Maybe you can catch them off guard. I wouldn't expect it, but maybe you can. You played them pretty tough last year, at least for three quarters. So I think that this team is right now a little bit further ahead as far as talent and depth. So I'm taking LSU right there in Baton Rouge. I don't know why I spent as much time on that game as I need to. That game will likely be in favor of the Bayou Bengals. You got to get Missouri on the road. We're still at four. To be honest with you, November... November 18th specifically. Have you been to Columbia, Missouri in the middle of November? It might be sleeting sideways. If that game is under 40 degrees at kickoff, I do not like the Florida Gators' chances. If it's over 40 degrees at kickoff, then by all means, we'll see. It's going to be interesting too because if that game's a night game, I know these are like the weeds that we go down. Like I wish... I, I don't know why I think about stuff like this, but if that game's a night game, let's say it's on... ESPN at at seven o'clock Eastern. It's going to be twenty degrees colder at night than it would be if that game was played at say three thirty, or at four, or at noon. So something to keep an eye on in that game. Let's give Florida the game, and then guess what? You're at five, and you still got Florida State. Florida State's a top ten team. And I, I'm taking the under with the Gators this year, man. I wish I wasn't. I really wish I wasn't, but I just don't think their roster is where it needs to be just yet. Let's go over to their week one opponents now by looking at the Utah Utes. Have you ever, like, someone's going to have to help me out. I almost have to cross my legs for this one because I'm just so irritated by it. And I'm, look, I'm as much, I'm as much, you know, in the national media. I, I get it. Like, I, I understand. Like, I'm, I'm a national media guy. I'm a legacy media guy. Fine, whatever. I, I don't feel like I am, but that's fine. Uh, I still think of myself as a player, but then again, you know, it is what it is. Uh, looking at, at Utah, have you ever in your life seen a team that's won back-to-back Pac-12 championships that is being so disrespected? And seriously, I have them 10th in college football, and I am amongst the most bullish 
in the media on Utah. And I'm trying to figure out like, why are, why are people so down? Okay. So you have questions. I have ninth. I'm sorry. I said 10th, but ninth. I just looked it up. I pulled it up real quick. My notes. I, why are people so concerned about where Utah's quarterback situation is at? Like, oh, Cam Rising might not be ready. Yo, he's going to be ready. Okay. He's going to be ready. And I, I'm not trying to sit here and suggest that, you know, he's going to be thrown out in the weeds the way he was last year. Short yarded situations. Are they going to work him into the situation? Perhaps. But when you really think about it, you bring back Nate Johnson, who's the backup quarterback who runs 10 4 in the 100. I mean, that guy can fly. You need quarterback run? Fine. Hey, Nate, Cam's not quite ready to be able to shoulder that burden. Why don't you handle it? Okay, perfect. I'll go in there and I'll just I'll blaze right beyond everybody. So I'm just not concerned about Cam Rising's inability to be prepared for the season. He's going to be. I really believe that. You can get back in an ACL in no time now. All right. The other thing, people saying, well, how are you going to replace Dalton Kincaid? Well, how about you replace Dalton Kincaid with the guy that Dalton Kincaid replaced when he got hurt last year in Brent Keithy? Like, I love the guy. I'm not ever going to compare college players to potential for, you know, first ballot Hall of Famers in the NFL. But Brent Keithy, when you watch him, he feels a little Travis Kelsey-esque. He's got some of those similar qualities with his instincts. And we know that Cam Rising's a very instinctive player. They kind of seem to know what each other's doing without being able to signal. Like with Cam's moving to his right, it's almost like Keithy knows, hey, I can go just ever so far enough to where I'm not going to get covered. I'm going to sit it down right here. And then he, he throws it to him. It's an amazing relationship with the chemistry that's on display when you watch them. So I'm not that worried about, about the, the team whatsoever as it, as it relates to replacing key pieces and for rising to get back to 100%. I'm also never going to doubt Utah's physicality. What won the Pac-12 last year? Just being tougher than USC and flat out tougher. And maybe USC has made strides. Maybe they have. But I know this, when I watched Utah's spring game, their quarterbacks were live. Live. You heard that right. Like quarterbacks getting tackled to the ground in their spring game. That's who Kyle Whittingham is. That's what they do. They are going to be tougher than you. And they're going to punch you in the mouth. And if you're worried about their defense, yeah, there are a couple guys that left the program, a couple guys that are gone. They're bringing back their top 11 tacklers out of 15. 15 tacklers last year. They bring back 11 of the 15. Pretty good place to start. Let's start with the schedule, all right? Florida game. I already told you a moment ago. I'm going to give them that one. I think they get that taken care of. At Baylor, very difficult game. You know I feel good about Baylor this year. Talked about them as it related to Texas a little while ago. I think they get that one. Baylor's still got some question marks. A couple question marks, I think, when looking at Baylor. And remember, I got to get just a got to get to eight and a half here with Utah. So... I got to find four losses. So since they're on the high side, we'll find four losses. I'm through two weeks. I haven't found one. Weber State, still not going to find one there. UCLA at home. This game was in the Rose Bowl. Might feel differently about it. But I think right now, Utah handles the Bruins. I still like, I like UCLA this year. At Oregon State, this will be an absolute bare knuckle brawl. All right, this will be a bare knuckle brawl. We know what these two teams are about. Oregon State wants to pound you. Utah wants to pound you. May the best man win. It's on the road. Tough spot. So let's give this one a maybe. Let's put a question mark next to this one, okay? So let's just say one just for argument's sake. Then you got Cal. That's a win, all right? At USC. They beat them twice last year. We've seen Utah handle SC in the past. 
Tough matchup, I think, for the Trojans. Now, will they have this one circled? Probably. Will it matter? I don't know. Let's give them a loss just for argument's sake because why wouldn't we? Oregon's at Utah in the following week. Difficult game. We love the Ducks this year. Vegas loves the Ducks this year. They have their win total at nine and a half. Understandable. The problem that I have right now, this is about the spot on the schedule where Oregon's defense might start to slip just a little bit. Remember, they run tempo offense. Now, maybe they won't. Now, new offensive coordinator, things changing a little bit, but their hyperspeed tempo wore their defense out last year. That's my own assumption, and it ultimately came to fruition. This is one that I think Utah gets. I think they can get Oregon at their place. Now, if it's in Eugene, maybe it's a little different. I think they handle them there in Utah. Arizona State at home. That's a winner. At Washington, very difficult game. Very difficult game. I think Washington's the class of the Pac-12. I think they have a great defense, great edge presence in Trice, great quarterback wide receiver play. This is going to be a tough one. I'm going to give them a loss. All right, so now we're at three for the Utah Utes, and it comes down to the final two games. At Arizona, Arizona significantly improved. Uh, I don't see them losing that one. Colorado at home, improved. Not going to happen. I got them nine and three. At the very worst. And remember, that's with a loss at Oregon State. So just trying to make argument's sake, I like Utah this year. I like the over. I think they're the most under-talked about team in college football. And I don't know why we keep falling victim to this. We do it every year. Disrespect Utah and be prepared to eat your crow. Just saying. Notre Dame will be the final team we do today. They're in at eight and a half. Remember, this is one of those weird ones. This is one of those weird ones where you're going to sit there and you're going to think, oh my goodness, <laughs> What was the record last year? Took care of us last year. This will be easy over. Remember they lost to Marshall? Remember they lost to Stanford? In both those games, man, it was you know, quarterback play. It was turnovers. I mean, in those two games combined, minus five in the turnover margin. Three against Marshall, two against Stanford. That ultimately led to Notre Dame coming up short in both those games. But man, this will definitely get figured out this year with Sam Hartman, right? No doubt about it. Sam Hartman is an all-time statistically great quarterback in college football. Okay, 12,967 yards passing. Okay, that's the ACC career record. He shattered it. 110 touchdowns shattered in the ACC. He is entering the all-time FBS leaderboards and just needs 2,000 yards passing and 21 touchdowns to crack the top five all-time in the history of college football. 2,000 yards, he might get that by midway through the season. And then 21 touchdowns, I mean, let's hope for Notre Dame fans' sake he gets there you know, by early October. I think both are within reach. I think both are very probable. But here's the problem. He does turn the ball over. Uh, not crazy, he's not reckless, but when his turnovers happen, they happen in bunches. So let's think about last year. He had seven fumbles last year. Didn't lose a ton, still had seven fumbles. Uh, we'll throw some picks and they come in bunches. All right, let's look about the Louisville game. That's the most example, the biggest, most glaring example of him being a little reckless, careless football. It's a bad day. It was a bad quarter, to be honest with you. Two fumbles, three interceptions in that performance. Three interceptions against NC State. Two interceptions against Liberty. Those are things that have to be ironed out because think about last year, what we just talked about with Notre Dame, when they protected the football and they won the turnover margin, or even if they were just minus one of the turnover margin, they were in really good shape. But when they got careless and when they turned it over, that's when things got away from them a little bit, especially against lower level competition. So they have to get those things figured out. They're the favorite. You look at their schedule, they're favored in nine games. 
They should be based on preseason prognostications. They should be favored to nine games, but you also have three big time opponents in Ohio State, SC, and Clemson. All three of those will be very difficult. You have that swing game with Pitt. And next thing you know, we're flirting with 10. But let's go through it. All right, Navy in Ireland. I think you get that one. Going to be tough. Going to be tricky. It's week zero, triple option. But you have time on your side to prepare for that Navy offense, which will be a little bit difficult for the Irish. Tennessee State. Let's give you that one. Remember, we've got to find some losses. Okay, so eight and a half is the number. We've got to find four losses. Can we do it? At NC State, be careful. Be careful, okay? I think NC State is a proud program in the front seven. It's be a difficult road trip. This will also be one of the first opportunities that we get to take a peek at Brennan Armstrong, new NC State quarterback. Remember, Devin Leary left for Kentucky. Brennan Armstrong comes down for Virginia. He brings his offensive coordinator, Robert Anai, who was with him at Virginia before he had a terrific year. Went to Syracuse. Now he's now at NC State. Those two in tandem. Look out. That's a really good quarterback and OC tandem that you're going to have to deal with. Let's just put that one in the question mark jar just for a moment, okay? Central Michigan, that's a win. Ohio State at home, well, you played them well last year. Played them well last year. I think it's a tif- difficult one for me to imagine. But hey, it's early in the season. Anything can happen. Still, let's put it in the jar of question marks at the moment. So we're at two. At Duke, difficult team last year. Very difficult team last year. Duke quietly won nine games. This year, I think they kind of revert to the mean a little bit. Riley Leonard surprised everybody. The improvements both offensively and defensively surprised everybody last year. But Duke had one of the weakest schedules in America last year. This year, not so much. So I think they get that one, even though it's on the road. At Louisville, be careful here. Still should be one that they should get, even though Louisville should be drastically improved. Just going to take a little time, I think, with the transition they're making offensively. USC at home. I actually really like the matchup here for Notre Dame. Now, I wish it was a little bit later so the Trojans could deal with maybe some less than stellar weather. But either way, this should be one that pits two of the best teams in America against each other. Now, remember, we just put the two question mark jars. Let's give them a loss against Ohio State. Let's say they get a win against NC State, whatever. Let's just say they have one at this point, maybe two. All right. Let's say they lose to SC. SC is going to be great. They beat them last year. SC handled the gauntlet that was Notre Dame last year. Will they be able to do so at their place this year? Who knows, but let's put it in the jar for now. Now we're at three. Pitt, here's your swing game. This is one you have to have. All right, you have to have if you're going to take the over. I think the Pitt game is one they'll get. I really believe that. I think they match up well against Pitt. Pitt has Phil Jerkovic at quarterback now, not sold on him, not sold on what they are totally as a team, have question marks about Pitt. So I'm going to give this one to Notre Dame. At Clemson, another difficult game. All right, another very difficult game, but they ran through them like a hot knife through butter last year. Will they be able to do so again? This is really the ultimate test. It really comes down to two games. Let's say you lose to Ohio State, you lose to USC, both of which are at home, by the way. Do they think they're going to lose both at home? is kind of tough for me to envision. Then you have two on the road that are toss-ups as well, and Clemson and NC State. And then you have Wake Forest. I'll give you that one. I think Sam Harton gets revenge. Then you're at Stanford. I think you'll get Stanford this year. Believe me, that one's been circled for the Irish already. So you have two swing games, really. If you want to win 10, you want to get back to the New Year's Six, you got to win one of these two. You got to beat SC or you got to beat Ohio State. And then you got to split on the road between NC State and at Clemson. And if you can get those taken care of, those are really the four, I think, that are going to determine whether or not they go over. I think they go over. I think they'll get at least one of those four teams, even though two are on the road and two are elite teams at home. I think they get at least one. I think nine and three is about right for the Fighting Irish this year. 
As our old friend Coach O used to say, it's time for Tell the Truth Monday. 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 Now, Coach O, obviously out right now. Maybe he's the next head coach at Northwestern. Who knows? His name was in the mix. We'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully, we can have Tell the Truth Monday for real sometime very soon. Maybe he gets a job here at some point. Definitely rooting for him. We love Coach O. But this is something we're going to try to do uh, during the season and kind of dial it in like, Hey, this is the truth. Let's be real with where we're at right now. Let's acknowledge where we're at. Let's look at our shortcomings. That's where we come from. So Coop's going to put me on the spot. Jackson put me on the spot. So let's go for it. Coop's where we're going. All right. First one, tell the truth. Who do you really want to hear from at ACC media days besides Dabo and Norvell? You know, what's funny about ACC media days right now is you obviously have some interesting personalities. Do we go with the personality route? Because if you do, the guy that you want to hear from more than anything else is Pat Narduzzi. I mean, the guy doesn't care. (laughs) He just will say whatever he wants. He will just throw absolute scorched earth fire on other teams, other rivals, doesn't matter. He's very, very upset about the portal. He's very upset about those that kind of mingle outside the portal, but maybe the tampering aspect of it. So Pat Narduzzi is definitely the guy I want to hear from, but it's just not that interesting. I I think Mac Brown will be a very interesting listen, obviously as a a, a senatorial leader in college football. I'm curious to get his take on where his team's at. They had a great year last year. How do you improve the defense? Some of the other questions, how'd you keep Drake May? So we know there were other teams and some, there were some sharks in the water surrounding Drake May. So he'll be interesting. And then if I'm going to pick three, because why wouldn't I, I think Dave Doran would probably be the next one. Now, Dave Doran is really funny. doesn't necessarily always come across that way. But he's a little in the Pat Narduzzi mold where he kind of hates everybody, but also at the same time, he's one of those guys I really want to have a beer with. So those will probably be the three I want to hear from at PAC, at uh, ACC Media Days because there's some interesting personalities <laughs> in that group of coaches. All right, tell the truth. Who do you? Which new coach do you want to hear from most at Big Ten Media Days? Matt Rule. This one is a lot easier for me. Because look, he's got a ton of of knowledge and experience. And if I were asking the questions of Matt Rule, and, and maybe we'll have this opportunity someday because I just love the guy. I think he's just such a phenomenal coach. And I, I just love Nebraska. I, I I'm a, as you guys have watched the show before, like I think college football is healthier when all the traditional powers are in the mix. I'm not saying the traditional I also love the Cinderella aspect of it. So if we get a say UCF that makes a run and makes the playoff and gets hot, that's great. TCU last year, it's a great story for college football. It made everyone believe, hey, man, we can do it too. So those are really beneficial. But as far as the overall health of the sport, it's great to have Nebraska in the mix because the fans are diehard. It's going to at least give you an additional piece in the Big Ten to be able to discuss outside of the obvious Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, USC in the future. It'd just be cool to have Nebraska back. So granted, I grew up, I'm born in 88. So I'm 35 years old. There was a time in my life where I literally thought Nebraska was never going to lose a game. So them and Miami and USC are the three that was like, they're never going to lose ever. I mean, and sure enough, they eventually did, but there was a time. But I think what I would ask Matt Rule is, hey, man, 
Like you turned down this job. They they offered it to you and you turned it down and said, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you for your interest. I'm, I'm humbled and honored, but I'm, it's not the right time for me. What changed? What did they do to sweeten the deal? What commitments did they make to the football program that led to you changing your mind so drastically? So that would be someone that I'd really want to hear from. And then I would also say too, so Matt Rule goes without saying he's kind of in a league of his own, but second would be Luke Fickle. And partly because when I, my whole life, when I've watched Wisconsin, I've watched Wisconsin do things a certain way. And it's kind of understood that Wisconsin's going to be a bunch of really strong, really physical, really proud, really well coached. They're going to impose their will along the line of scrimmage and they're going to do things with a two tight end, two running back with a fullback set. That's who they are. Now they'll get in shotgun occasionally when it's third and 12, but it's rare. So granted, I say that tongue in cheek. Like I know they've done some shotgun stuff and done some spread option stuff the last couple of years. I get that. But when I think Wisconsin, I visualize it in a certain way. Why would Luke Fickle go completely outside of his comfort zone and completely outside of Wisconsin's comfort zone to think that, you know what, Phil Longo and the offensive identity that's going to allow this place to really hit its ceiling is going to be vertical passing attack with air raid and run principles. That's that's what I want to know. So those are probably the two that I'm very interested in as it relates to the Big Ten. We appreciate so much you guys being with us again for Always College Football. We'll continue to be with you, prepping you for the college football season. Still so many win totals that we want to get to. So many. We're going to get there. We're going to take time. I promise we're going to get there. But we also need to preview some of the media days coming up. We need to react to some of the media days coming up. So keep it locked in here. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. doesn't matter if it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Subscribe. Please leave a rating and please leave a review. It helps us an awful lot. I really, really can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys taking the time to reach out to us and to tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. You can also email the show at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, Jake, Jack, I'm Greg. We hope you have a phenomenal day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.